Welcome to the Reading for Success podcast brought to you by the Success League. This podcast focuses on customer success and leadership books, provides an overview of each, and gives you an honest assessment of whether or not it's worth your time. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, my name is Kristen Hare, and I'm the host of Reading for Success. I'm also the CEO of the Success League, a boutique customer success consulting and training firm based in San Francisco. Today, I'm joined by one of the co-authors of our recent book, Digital Customer Service, Rick DeLisi. Rick, thanks so much for coming back to our show for another interview about your newest book. Hi, Kristen. Very happy to be a return guest. Thank you. Yes, you're our first one, I think. Wow. You're, you're churning out those books. <laughs> um, so tell me, who was the intended audience for this book? Really, the target audience is anybody who's directly responsible for the way customer service is delivered at their company. So okay. typically, of course, that would be head of customer service or contact center, could at some level be the person who's the head of customer experience, and certainly anybody who's a digital leader, because everything we're talking about is creating a much more digital experience for customers. Yeah, that's great. And I think that crosses over with um, customer success for the tech companies that have customer success organizations as well. Um, what, what were you hoping the biggest takeaways would be for your readers? The biggest thing that we hope people recognize is that we as people have evolved past the point where using the telephone for any kind of service interaction even makes sense anymore. So what we're seeing here is the beginning of the end of the telephone era. Mm -hmm. Think about it for just a second about all the things that we don't use the telephone for anymore. One of the most obvious ones is talking to people. How often do you yeah. really have a conversation with people on the phone? But we still do to some extent. But here's a short list of things that you would never think to use the phone for that we used to use the phone for all the time. Any kind of information service, mm -hmm. making a reservation. When's the last time you made a hotel or an airline <laughs> reservation yeah. on the phone? And yet we used to do that all the time. I'm old enough to remember when we would call a telephone number for time and temperature. Oh, I mean, yes. I'm so archaic. Oh, no, um, I remember that time, too. <laughs> it was kind of uh, cool as a kid. You could do that. And it, it was, I don't know why that was so interesting, but it was at it the was time. It was fun at the time. And now it just seems pathetically archaic, doesn't right. it? You know, if you want to churn your own butter, that's a cool project. But why would you ever do that? Right. Why would you ever use the phone to find out movie times at your local theater? And yet that's the thing we used to do. Yeah. I certainly am a big sports fan. I remember calling Sportsline to find out updates on games that maybe I had a couple of dollars riding on. You would yeah. never call a phone number for a sports score <laughs> anymore. The point is we use our screens for all of these information services now. So right. why are companies still enabling slash insisting that customers call them on the telephone? That day needs to be over. And based on everything that we describe in the book, that day can be over. There's no longer a need for companies to continue to make the phone the centerpiece of their service operation. Yeah, you're right. Unfortunately, I think that that's still happening a lot, a lot more than you would think, considering you know the field that we're in and how much effort has gone into building great customer experiences. They are still very phone-centric. And yet, when it comes to effort, customer effort, mm -hmm. nothing is a higher effort experience than 
going online, whether that's on a website or an app, trying to resolve some issue or get information about something regarding your account, only to then, after some number of minutes, have to completely give up and then start all over again on the phone. It's that disconnect between the digital experience and the phone experience that needs to end. And in the book, we describe exactly how that can happen. Yeah, that's actually one of my favorite parts of the book is is this... Um, I think it starts on page like one one oh seven for those of you who have it and have been reading it with us. And it goes into several pages of examples of exactly how to set up the workflows. and i I love that part of the book. I think those are great examples and really help highlight how you can do this. I think one of the other things, and I'd love to get your take on this that, I thought was interesting is you really share both how the people interact with the customers and how the technology interacts with the customers. So you're showing both sides of that relationship. Yeah, the biggest misnomer or the biggest myth about digital customer service is that it means there's never any humans involved. (laughs) That everything is automated, that the bots have come to take over the jobs that people used to do. Nothing could be farther from the truth. The reality is there are certain kinds of issues or certain kinds of processes that customers can or should be able to completely resolve on their own entirely in self-service. Maybe that's independent self-service where you, the customer, just find what you need and take care of it. In other situations, bots or enhanced uh, guidance or or uh, navigation could help guide you to the exact place on the site or on the app where you could do what you want. So anytime the whole process can be automated, as long as it's to the complete satisfaction of the customer, that's great. But what about all the other situations? No matter how digital we all become, no matter how digital service becomes, there's always going to be at least some occasions where having a live human contact really matters. But That doesn't mean it has to happen on the phone. So in the book, we describe what we call on-screen enhancements and on-screen voice. Imagine a customer service agent joining you, the customer, in the middle of your interaction and on your screen without the need for a separate phone call. It's still the same two people having the same conversation, but it's a completely different experience when it happens on my screen instead of through a completely separate phone call. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing that people in our field tend to get really nervous about is, hey, where does customer success fit into all of this if we're creating these digital experiences? And I I think my perspective is it makes your job way more fun because you're getting to focus on less of the tactical, boring stuff that you might have to do as a customer success professional. And you're getting to focus on the more strategic conversations that you have with the client in a proactive way that drive that relationship forward and and really solidify it. So it becomes less of this sort of tactical, you know, support type of a role and it becomes a more proactive strategic role. Yeah, you know, in the digital world that we all live in, that we all gladly live in because of its convenience and because of the agency, the, the control that it gives each of us, in the world we live in today, Human contact, whether it's in person or in a a screen situation, is more rare, but therefore more important. Those are the moments that really matter. So being able to do away with the drudgery and the mundane tasks of just providing basic information or fulfilling obvious functionality 
and, and allowing yourself more bandwidth to really connect with people and have a true human experience is best for everybody. Yeah, definitely. Tell me about the writing process. What were your favorite parts of the book to write? The most fun thing was to think about how digital customer service impacts all four of the major constituencies. So the customer, Mm -hmm. the company, the reps or agents who are providing service, and then the leaders who are in charge of the whole service operation. And the more we looked at it, the more we realized Every one of those parties comes out ahead as companies shift to the the DCS, digital customer service model. Mm -hmm. There is no give to get. There is no trade-off. It's not a zero-sum game. You don't have to rob Peter to pay Paul. Everyone comes out ahead. So we started calling that the (laughs) win-win-win-win. And the more we analyzed it from all four sides, the more we realized Every single one of those four parties, those four stakeholder groups, all benefit simultaneously. And anytime you could do something that not only is in your own best interest, but in the best interests of the customer and in the best interests of the company, that has to be a no-brainer because right. everyone comes out ahead. Yeah, that's great. It it actually was really encouraging for our team to kind of read through this and then really kind of look at our own experience that we're creating for our customers and think about that experience in a different way and ways that we could automate some components of what we're doing. And we're a very high touch organization. We're a consulting firm. So, you know, we found still lots of ways that we could leverage the ideas and the theories that you brought forward in your book in our company. So I think, you know, if we can do it, anybody can. (laughs) And it does create a great experience for customers. I'll share a recent example on some of the podcasts I listen to that have commercials. Lately, Discover has been running commercials that are all about how when you call Discover, you talk to a human being every time. Now that sounds great, right? We're going to move away from this idea of digitizing customer service and go all in on having human contact. You call us and you talk to a human being. That's based on the assumption that every interaction any customer has at any time is best served by a human being. And the reality is that's not even close to true. Yes, there are some situations in which a live human interaction is absolutely essential or preferred, but lots of other situations in which it isn't. So what Discover is ultimately doing is they're forcing customers to have human contact, even in situations where that doesn't make sense. So, you know, that's like a steakhouse that only offers steak. You know, what if you don't like steak? Or what if you're vegan? Or what if you're feeling more like seafood tonight? To to assume that every single customer wants the one thing that you're pushing seems extremely company-centric and not at all customer-centric. Yeah. Actually, one of the things that really stood out to me that I keep mentally coming back to from your last book, The Effortless Experience, was the age group that would prefer to engage over the phone versus not. And that number was significantly higher than I thought it was going to be. I would I would have assumed probably 50-somethings would be that cutoff point where 
older than that, people would prefer to use the phone because that's what they're used to. And I think your numbers showed something like 70 years old or something like that. And again, remember, the Effortless book came out in 2014. So the right. demographic shift only continues further. Right. You know, what's, what is the number one demographic for increased preference and comfort in the digital arena? O- older people. Mm-hmm. You know, tell me that your parents or your grandparents aren't way more digital than they were even just a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. And of course, the pandemic exacerbated or accelerated people's digital preference to some degree because we didn't have much choice. But now we're also used to interacting digitally and getting everything we want exactly the way we want it on our own screens. This is the way the world is and will continue to be for the rest of our lifetimes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that's a really interesting point. Anything that you wish you had approached differently on this book in hindsight? The thing that's so interesting about the book is that while it was oriented toward the audience of customer service professionals, we're coming to recognize that there's also a lot of other audiences for this as well. One of them that has been really interesting to us is CFOs. You wouldn't think that the average finance person would be all that caught up in the operation of how companies interact with customers. But when you realize that what we're describing here typically saves 20 to 30% of the operating budget of the overall service function and creates a better experience that leads to longer-term customer loyalty, you know, what CFO wouldn't say, wow, this is exactly what we need to be doing? Or perhaps the, the darker side of that is, imagine a CFO saying, whoa, wait a minute, what you're saying is, we've been spending 20 to 30% more than we have to to create a service experience that's worse as a result. And so taken strictly from the financial sense, looking at this only as a dollars and cents bottom line consideration, it resonates with with people who live in the finance world as well. So we're really excited to see that beyond the target audience, much like the Effortless book, Although it was oriented toward a very specific audience, it's finding a a, a resonance with people outside of who we'd originally envisioned. Yeah, that's great. That's that's when you know you have a winner. (laughs) I think, you know, for our audience, what I would recommend to the listeners is if you're a CS leader and you're struggling to justify the cost of the systems that you need to do things in a more automated way, this book will really help you with that because it gets into a lot of the reasoning behind why we need the technology we need. And I think that the CFOs would find that very interesting and compelling. So it's a way that our listeners could really use your book. (laughs) It's worth asking yourself, is it in fact a cost? Because if you're saving 20 to 30% of your service operating budget, money that at the moment is being wasted because it's Mm -hmm. only creating a worse experience, is it in fact an expense at all? You know, if there was a device you could plug into your car that gave you 20 to 30% better gas mileage, is that an expense? Is that an investment? Or are you, in fact, saving money? So, yeah, I know we're just doing wordplay and semantics here, but organizations that are looking at this as one more expense on top of their service operation ought to be thinking about how much money they're wasting right now. Yeah, I agree. 
So what are you working on next? What comes after this book? So one of the things that we're continuing to do is to gather the stories of people who are working in the digital customer service environment, okay. thinking much more about what is the practical experience of people who are interacting with customers in this way every day. We share some of those stories in the book, but we're continuing to accumulate more and more of them and uh, expect through our own thought leadership program, as well as the potential of writing a follow-up book, that it will be even more anecdotal and even more based on everyday experiences. Yeah, that's great. So if somebody wanted to get in touch with you about that, what's the best way for them to reach out? Sure, LinkedIn always works. So it's Rick Delisi on LinkedIn, D-E-L-I-S-I, or my email address, always open to communicating with people through email, Rick dot delisi at glia g-l-i-a dot com okay great well thanks for joining me on the podcast today rick i really appreciate the time and i know our audience always loves to hear from the authors of the books that we're covering in our reviews so i appreciate you taking the time to do this well thanks if if it turns out i am the first second time guest Maybe the day will come when I could be the first. Maybe you could be the first third time guest. We just need another pandemic for you to write. (laughs) Um, Okay, let's hope I'm not the next third time. (laughs) So before we fully wrap up today, I'd like to share some really exciting news with our audience. If you've been listening to my other podcast, Strike Deck Radio, you know that we feature interviews with customer success leaders and the cool projects that they're working on in our field. Strike Deck Radio is becoming Success League Radio. And we'll be joining Reading for Success as a feature called Innovations in Leadership. We're going to be following the same format that we've always followed on that podcast, and we're going to be releasing new episodes every other week. So if you're a CS leader who has an interesting project you'd like to share with our listeners, please reach out to me. I'm looking for people to interview for that. We'll be rolling out Success League Radio in a few weeks, so please keep an eye on our LinkedIn and Twitter for details. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join Reading for Success next time.